Hi there, this is Dove Tuzman, and you're on with Equal Footing. Uh, this is a show we're going to do each week from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern, and the the topic is about getting civil debate, different points of view, back into the public square, into our lives in a way that allows us to really listen, to hear others, and to find uh, common ground. And... In the future, what we're going to do each week is have uh, one or two guests that are going to be taking uh, different points of view on a hot-button issue of the day. We're going to touch on politics, uh, public health, philosophy, religion, and so forth. And we're going to break this down into a few different segments, three 20-minute segments on the hour. And first couple segments, the debaters will take different perspectives and try to sway the other to their point of view in a calm and reasoned fashion without name-calling or interrupting each other or resorting to uh, base slogans, etc. And in the last segment, we're going to ask the debaters to switch sides, to take the other's point of view, to have empathy, and to try to argue in favor of something they don't necessarily believe, which is a great test for empathy and learning. So that's going to be our format going forward, but since this is our first show, I wanted to spend some time with you introducing myself and talking a little bit about how we got here and uh, what drove me to get on the radio, and it's going to get pretty personal. It's going to get pretty intense, so gird yourself. If you're in your car, if you're making uh, dinner, getting ready to settle in for the evening, uh, this is not going to be... Uh, the super light stuff. There's some intense stuff here that we're going to talk about in the, in the next hour. I'm going to open up, talk about stuff that I've lived through, and I'm going to ask folks to call in. And I'm going to give you the number right now. I'm going to keep giving this number throughout the, the hour. It's 718-303-9090. That's 718-303-9090. And I'm, I would love to hear, as I talk about my teshuva, my repentance, my returning to my core in my own life. And I'll, for those of you who don't know what teshuva means, I'll get into that. I'm sure many of you do. I'm going to ask uh, for some of you listening to call in and, and share your stories of teshuva and uh, open up if, you, if you're able to with me. All right. Well, let's dive into the pool on this. So this show is called Equal Footing. And the idea is that we can always uh, find a way to have equal footing with others. Uh, you know, it's interesting, the Parsha, the section of the Torah, the section of the Bible this week, um, that corresponds this week is uh, Shuftim, uh, Judges. And uh, the idea behind this is a bit of a, uh, the idea of not judging others. Uh, part of being on equal footing, on equal ground with someone is is not judging them and trying to uh, you know, understand where they're coming from and, uh, and having uh, empathy for where they, they may have been that's brought them to this position. So with uh, equal footing, let's, let's get to kind of the core driver uh, for this, uh, for me, for this, for this show. Uh, I had had a pretty charmed life. Uh, in in many ways, I and mean, I like we all do. I complained along the way. I fetch a lot, but uh, when I look back on it uh, at 48, 
now I can see how charmed it was for so long. I had a, a in general, a very loving home. I studied hard. I went to Harvard. I uh, got a job on Wall Street and worked at Goldman Sachs for a number of years and started a couple of companies that, that uh, brought a couple of companies public, um, had great experiences in that, in the tech world, uh, in the dot-com uh, explosion that occurred you know, 20, 25 years ago, grew in, in business and personal life and have a blessed to have a beautiful eight-year-old daughter and uh, just just had a, a lot of things go go right uh, personally financially I had struggles along the way like we all do you know, health battles at times and and, uh, and the normal stresses but in general even though I would complain I probably couldn't complain or I shouldn't have complained and then uh, five years ago uh, just about exactly this would be five years in a few weeks uh, I was getting off a plane on a business trip, and I happen to be in Colombia. I live in New York. I'm, you can probably tell from my accent uh, that I, uh, I'm American. And I was on a business trip down there for some real estate, a real estate project there for a few days. And I was getting off a, a flight, uh, to getting on a connecting flight sometime later, and I was arrested. And in a second, my entire world collapsed. Uh, I will tell as this each week. I'll probably you know tell a little bit more about my story. I won't. I won't disclose all the details now. But I, to make a long story short, ended up spending uh, ten and a half months in a state of legal limbo in what was called administrative detention. I was arrested based on a uh, charges related to securities and accounting fraud in the United States. But since I was traveling, the U.S. government had communicated with the Colombian government, even though I didn't have a legal issue there, and asked them to detain me. And so I was arrested and put in what is in Orwellian speak was called administrative detention, which really meant I was uh, put in, in, in jail down there. And for about ten and a half months, I was in a state of limbo legally up here in the states, and uh, I was in a a series of of prisons, three different places down in Bogota, Colombia, and that was uh, an ungodly experience. I guess everything's a godly experience, right? In Gamzulatova, there's always some there's always some good that can come, and there's a, a tremendous amount of good that's come from the experience. But it was a version of hell for me. Uh, I thought I was going to die a number of times. I was subject of physical and sexual assault. It was. Uh, it's only been in the last year that I've been able to really talk about it openly, and here I am on the radio talking about it, so you can tell I've gone through some processing and recovery there. But it completely uh, you know, crushed all of the concepts, all of the the castles that I had built in my mind around the way my life was supposed to be and where things were going was uh, in one fell swoop completely, completely destroyed. And out of that, and and this gets to the purpose of the show, came an experience, came uh, an understanding of the 
depths of suffering that that we go through and and the ability the extraordinary human ability that we have to actually see or see the light in that darkness to have hope in the depths of despair our resilience as human beings uh, the importance of of faith the importance of the bait what is often called the foundation of the torah the foundation of the the bible to love one's fellow uh, as you love your yourself rabbi akiva uh, is famous for for saying that everything else <laughs> in in uh, religious learning is kind of a footnote to that concept and faith camaraderie uh, hope uh, and teshuva going back to my essence going through the returning process uh, is allowed me to to get here so again 7183039090 that's 7183039090 i'm going to talk a little bit more about my experience but i want you to think if you can about teshuva in your life returning repentance change um, that's that's made you uh, that's made you stronger ultimately so Let's let's fast forward a little bit, and again, like I, I teased at, and uh, throughout this show and in the future, I'll I'll get into more detail. But the the obviously I survived that experience, and it's you know five years later, I had a long legal battle, which my lawyers would probably advise me not to talk about too much on the radio, so I'll, I'll stay away from that topic <laughs> at least for now. Uh, but you know, thank God I've I've uh, been able to find some sort of uh, point of of stasis. But the 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 knowledge of the depths of suffering that one can go through has not left me. And the empathy that came from that experience. Now, you know, when I see somebody that has a smile on their face, I immediately think, you know, what, what has allowed them to have the smile on their face? What is the, what is the cross they're bearing? What is the, what is the difficulty that they've encountered um, that's allowed them to, to feel joy. When I when I see someone that 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 is in the opposite s- state that feels despair, having having gone through my experience, I I feel like saying, hey, you know, out of this, there will be uh, growth. There will be um, there will be light. There is light in that darkness. So, I am not a uh, a rabbi. I'm not a uh, a scholar. I'm not a philosopher. Uh, so you'll take this with a grain of salt. But uh, let's talk a little bit uh, about the the period that we're in right now. The on the Hebrew calendar, the month of Elul, which starts now tonight. Uh, this is Rosh Chodesh Elul, the beginning of the month of Elul. And again, uh, before I go into that, I'll give you the number again: seven one eight three zero three. 9090. I just talked about spending 10 and a half months in Colombian prisons and getting physically and sexually assaulted and surviving that experience and being able to sit here right now with a smile on my face. So anything that, uh, that you could dish out, it's not going to shock me. Um, talk to me about your stories of, of uh, pain and suffering and, and, and teshuva returning. And then that's what allows us to be you listening and me talking on equal footing allows us to have empathy for each other, and then that hopefully allows us to have empathy in the, the general public square and the debate around uh, you know, the, 
the the issues of the moment, you know, Trump versus Biden, our response to COVID-19, et cetera, our ability to speak to each other and have compassion and empathy for each other without, you know, uh, judging, without uh, being judgmental. Okay, so I'm going to give a shot at some uh, Parsha or uh, Torah learning here and uh, talk about what what this concept of teshuva is about. So we're we're starting a 40-day period now, right? Of that goes from here to to Yom Kippur. That is a period of uh, repentance and corresponds with the period in which Moshe Rabbeinu Moses goes back up the mountain after the after Israel after the Jewish people are, have lost their way, right? They're worshiping the golden calf and doing some crazy stuff. And is a need to go back. It's the same set of tablets, right? The same set of commandments that he eventually comes back with. But there's a need to return. There's a need to, you know, in fact, teshuva comes from shuv, right? The word return, to return. So uh, there's a need to, to kind of go at it again, right? So these 40 days, the period in which he goes back up the mountain and gets the uh, the second set of, of tablets. And when he comes back down at the end of that period, um, it's said that his his face is literally beaming. Uh, as, as he was had to wear a mask so there was because there was so much light and power emanating on his pa- face to not overwhelm people. And you know we're wearing a mask now. A little bit of different reasons, but it's a nice way to think about it. Then there's so much incredible spiritual power and brightness that we have to guard it a little bit. Uh, but w- when when he comes back down, it's 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 understood that Moshe Rabbeinu or Moses had more um, was more grounded. There was more there was more under better understanding of what he was actually saying. The words weren't just words. Uh, they, they, it really had become um, embedded in his own um, fabric, his own human fabric and understanding. And that's, that can only come through. That didn't happen just because he read it again. That didn't happen because you know, he got another degree. That didn't happen because he had something good happen at work. Um, that happened because he had to deal with crisis and pain, right? The pain of the people of Israel losing their way um, and it's a metaphor for us losing our way right uh, and the, the the pain of of going off the path and then the returning and the joy from returning so that that to me is the essence of what this these next 40 days are about it's what the month of Elul is about it's it's about uh, it's about returning it's about going at it again it's about understanding that when we do wrong when we uh, go off the path, uh, when we um, when we sin, when we make mistakes, that's not our true essence. Our true essence is greatness, brightness, uh, understanding, empathy, and so this is uh, you know about returning. This prayer is about returning, and I'm so happy. It just happened by happenstance that this show is starting on Rosh Chodesh because. Uh, it feels really appropriate. It also see, it feels somewhat appropriate that the parsha for this week, the, the the portion of the Bible that corresponds to this this week, and and by the way, I want to you know uh, take a little parenthetical in here that I'm using a lot of references that have to do with you know, Jewish thought and theology, but but everyone is welcome in this dialogue. You know, uh, I'll I'll come back to the concept of 
you know, the, the great mitzvah of loving one's fellow as yourself, because that's a universal religious concept. So I'm referring to these things in the context of my own faith and my own spiritual journey, but everyone is welcome in this dialogue, not just someone who's Jewish, not someone who's just, you know, who's observant as, as, as a Jew. Anybody um, really is, is, we're all on this, the, the same journey. We just use different different language. We have different contexts, different familial and cultural contexts in our, in our journey. And, uh, and I would also say, que se puede hablar en español también. So you can call and I speak Spanish and we can, we can, uh, I can do some translation if, if needed. So everyone's welcome. So let's go back to the, the point of, um, of, of judges. So this, this week, this week's parsha or portion of the, of, of the Torah, of the Bible is a uh, shiftim judges. And I think that's kind of appropriate as well for the way that the, the place in, in time and the calendar that this show is starting because I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for being judged. I never in a million years thought that I would be arrested, that I would be indicted, that I would go through a court process uh, that was so alien to me. And in fact, anybody that I would ever read about on, you know, in the newspaper, hear about that would go through the criminal justice system, I would think, oh, well, there's smoke, there's fire. If that happened, they had to be doing something bad. They had to be a bad person, whatever. I don't judge anymore, (laughs) having gone through it. Um, you never know what the real story is. You never know the, the the deep context, so to speak. And in daily life, we we should never judge. In fact, you know, one of the fundamental precepts of being a Jew, and I think one of the fundamental precepts precepts in general, you know, Judeo-Christian theology in general, is non-judgment. And in fact, this. Torah section around Shaktim is, is, is articulating all the extremely difficult and specific requirements that judges have to have because they have to have absolute objectivity, even the tiniest hint of bias, and you can't be a judge. And even the folks that are the Shaktim, that are judges, are really only doing that because they have to, because that's their, that's their duty, that's their job. But in our day-to-day life, we should never judge. That's what this show is about, Equal Footing. I'm Dove Tuzman. Please call in and share your experiences of teshuva, of returning, of finding light and darkness, getting past suffering. We are beginning this 40-day period of, of uh, teshuva, of returning. Uh, we'll be back in a moment. And again, the number is 718-303-9090. You may have thought you couldn't afford to air on television with your business. So did other businesses until they met Winter Media. Winter Media is well known for airing companies on television with a small budget and then having them become very successful. Winter Media has almost 50 years of amazing success for its clients. They do it with great negotiating skill, having spent enormous amounts of money on television over the years. You will receive great rates. With its crack creative team, Winter Media will produce a very impactful commercial utilizing an affordable budget. The commercial is exceedingly important, for it is the spokesperson for your business. If you have a business or whether you are a lawyer, doctor, retailer, manufacturer, have a school, service company, are in entertainment, or even with a great product, you should contact Winter Media right away. Learn about Winter Media. Go to wintercommunications.com. That's wintercommunications.com. Then call 212-206-0111. That's 212-206-0111. Ask for Marty Feinberg. Marty Feinberg is the founder and president. He will work directly with you. 
Television is still the most impactful form of communication in existence. The combination of audio and visual on a big screen cannot be matched by any other form of advertising. Call 212-206-0111. That's 212-206-0111. 212-206-0111. Ask for Marty Feinberg. All right, we're back. This is Dove Tusman, and you're on with Equal Footing. And again, the number seven one eight three zero three nine zero nine zero, and we're talking about uh, non-judgment. We're talking about teshuva, or repentance, or return. Uh, we're talking about what is known in in ancient philosophy and in, in in general as the golden rule. We don't generally call it that in a Judaic context, but it's it's the often thought of as the basic mitzvah. Of uh, the Torah, of the Bible, um, which is to love your fellow as your as yourself. Vehafta lerecha kabecha. So, uh, I'd love to to hear your stories of of uh, teshuva, of going going through a period of maybe going off the path and uh, and returning. And I wanted to try to. Bring in some of the themes that we're going to be addressing over um, the next several weeks. I'm sure, especially as we get into this intense election season. You know, I was listening to and, and watching the uh, Democratic National Convention over the last couple of days, and thinking how the themes of empathy, uh, the themes of seeing ourselves on equal footing. The themes of non-judgment are so relevant to this this current time. You know, I, I'm not going to reveal at least right now. Uh, I won't my uh, political inclinations, but suffice it to say that they're unexpected. <laughs> uh, that I I I have a a tendency to surprise people on either end of the of the spectrum, and it's because I like to challenge dogma and uh, really try to have even in the public sphere even in the place where you're kind of told that you should be judgmental you know i mean casting a ballot is a judgment right you're you're told that you shouldn't necessarily be nice either i mean why not criticize the political enemy right you should criticize your enemy fight your enemy Uh, but challenging even the concept that we have to think of ourselves in polls, in, op- in oppositional, in an oppositional framework, in a um, as enemies, as as uh, as doing battle, and in the political context, the question then becomes: How do we bring in this theme of non-judgment in a context in which we have to make a judgment? And I think it's interesting that this presidential election, it's like, you know, it sits as it always does, you know, as we come to the finish line, right in the the framework of of Elul of this period prior to 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 Yom Kippur. The the answer for me, increasingly, as I'm as I'm participating, I'm seeing not so much participating in, but but observing and listening to the uh, the political diatribe, is trying to put myself in the shoes of the person who's talking in the shoes of the person who's supporting the person who's talking. And it's been a, 
a surprising process. You know, I, I again, I'm not going to reveal my political views right now, but in watching the convention, there were a couple of times when there was, a, I'll give a, a, a specific a, example, uh, when uh, Bill Clinton spoke and he looked there, there were so many judgments that were going through my head. There was, you know, he he looks very, very old and, and, uh, and and you know near the the end of end of life uh he is um relegated to just a, whatever it was three or five minutes whereas between uh him and and his and his wife Hillary Clinton they've been a big part of democratic national convention since probably 1984 I think was Clinton Bill Clinton's first appearance and how there's been a um kind of decline in his in his influence and there were all sorts of, you know, critical judgments. Of course, he's been correctly subject to criticism around extramarital affairs and and uh, other, you know, aspects around that probably don't need to be need to be mentioned. Uh, everyone knows what, what I'm talking about. And yet, even in that that moment of judgment, I was able to uh, actually hear an incredibly not necessarily I agreed with. You know what he was saying, and it, it, certainly not every word. But I was able to hear an incredibly articulate person who doesn't need to be sitting where he's saying what he's saying and sitting where he's sitting. It's kind of very well could just ride off into the sunset and is still engaged, is still leaning forward and being a part of the uh, the the debate and and saying his piece. And when I got past the judgments, I actually uh, felt love for the man. I felt. Um, appreciation for a flawed human being who has dedicated his his life to uh to service so there's an example i didn't want this this show to be kind of uh you know highfalutin or theoretical this is feeds into the uh the practical realities of our life how do we even participate in a fundamentally judgmental process an election casting a ballot deciding him over him or her over her uh, or her over him, without being judgmental. How do we make judgments without being judgmental? So I think that's that's part of the process of of returning as well of of learning that um, you know what our greater essence is 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 about. And that's going to be what this show is about. It's about debate, about taking two different sides on an issue, and doing so in a way that is respectful of the other. So, again, the number to call into, and I hope this is working, by the way. This is the first time I'm on the air on this show. We're going to do it each week, and Dimitri, the engineer, and I are just kind of getting our rhythm down. So and there's this great sun glare on the uh, booth, so I'm not even sure if there might be calls in the queue, so I apologize for that. But the number is 718-303-9090. That's 718 Nine zero nine zero, and we are on equal footing. You and I, you listening to this, and me talking the show, we are on equal footing. Everybody listening to this show is on equal footing. The most pro-Trump MAGA hat wearing. Thanks, Dimitri. Just put on the lights. I can see him better. Uh, uh, the, the 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 most reactionary pro-Republican, you know, gun-toting. Person and the uh, AOC following most liberal, um, progressive 
thinking political person are on equal footing. We are on equal footing. And when we are in that space is actually, I think, where we're able to convince each other of, uh, of our points of view as opposed to talking at each other over each other. I think we have a call uh, on, on hold, and you're going to have to forgive me because I'm going to have to figure out how to do this. Oh, hello. Who, who, who yeah, do I have the pleasure hi. of speaking to? Yeah, hi. This is Joe. How are you doing? Hi, Joe. Good evening. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to ask you about two parts of what you were saying earlier on. Did you feel, you know, I'm wondering what you majored in in Harvard? Uh, sure. I, I, I studied uh, political philosophy and applied mathematics, and I, I started uh, in some other stuff that I, that I wasn't good enough at, so I ended up with a major in, in, a, in a government degree. And then I, oh, okay. I did some master's work as well, but didn't get as far along as I'd like. Right, okay. So between that and Goldman Sachs, did you find you had enough time to balance things out, or did you find that, like, these pursuits kind of put you maybe in overdrive and ate up, like, a high percentage of your time, kind of? Joe, you sounds like you probably have had experience on Wall Street or in some... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like, I felt like it, it sapped, you know, a stretch sapped, like, you know, most of my time, you know. So I'm wondering if, you know, because that's sometimes, like, just, and I had been down to South America, Peru, actually, on a, you know, vacation, basically, about 18, 19 days with a group of people. One of the the girl was from there that actually led us into the trip originally, but I was apprehensive going down there just on a on a trip, you know, that was basically for pleasure. You know, I did feel apprehensive going to you know when I when the plane landed. I was wondering if I was going to get shot. I mean, it worked out all right. Let, let's take your two points separately because I think they're both really interesting and they're different. Yeah. I agree with you, Joe, on or I should say, you're right uh, in, in what you were insinuating. Goldman Sachs, the, the, the Harvard, which was an incredibly intense, uh, competitive place, and Goldman Sachs, which was equally competitive and intense, led me, oh, I think ultimately, it didn't have to be this way, but in my life, led me off from my core essence. Uh, mm-hmm. And... And I'm not saying that, you know, don't work at Goldman, don't go to Harvard. Of course not. In, in fact, I think I, if I would have been able to marry staying on path of my course and staying close to, closest to my spiritual and, and higher self and stayed in that path, I could have been in probably even, you know, more successful than I was. But it did lead me to uh, a, a, a place where focus was, you know, did I put in my 90 hours? Did I did it? Did I did I do it better than the next guy? How am I doing this particular? Deal? How big is my bonus going to be? And as much as I would still have spiritual practice, I might still you know be at a Kabbalah Shabbat uh, uh, service. I might you know still go on a spiritual retreat, which I was doing some of that at the time. It was it wasn't as authentic, and it became less authentic as time went on, and ultimately. And I think this is the first time I've ever even said it this way, Joe. So thank you for for calling in. And I think ultimately that, you know, twenty plus years later, eventually led to my arrest. 
And I, as much as you know, I want to say on the air, um, you know, the charges weren't fair. You know, most of them were dropped, and I was able to you know fight things successfully. We have this on appeal, blah blah blah. I mean, of course, there's 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 it's not as simple um, as 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 simply kind of saying, oh, you know, it, it led me down the wrong path. But it, it is also can be reduced to that to some extent spiritually, and I think that keeping that that balance and returning the the teshuva the returning to our core is important for everyone but i would perhaps argue to your point is more important if you're in a field or in a lifestyle where you're often you know tempted to go off that path you know if you don't mind extending on here for a minute on this topic joe the you know in the christian world talk a lot about the concept of temptation and you know i think in in the jewish world we think about it that a little bit differently but there is an element of that even in this week's parsha right the concept of bribery that's discussed in shaftim around you know the rules against that and biasing the judges and so forth well there's spirit, there's a sense that bribery is in our life every day. Like we're we're in effect bribed by the you know judging someone gives us schadenfreude, right? Which is like probably the worst human emotion where you like take joy in someone else's suffering. Um, you know we're we're, we're we're like bribed by the joy of that. We're bribed by you know obvious the obvious things like making another buck and and you know having having a great vacation or whatever these these things. Those in a sense are are forms of bribery that bias us away from our core in my, in my or, or or when you talk about temptation it could really be an area of, of weakness that is just not totally overcomable and you really just have to see it that way maybe as just you know i'm really not that strong in this area you know it's it's just uh, you know, rather than, you know, you might have strong point, disciplined and, you know, three out of four major areas, but that one area, you know, is just, you know, not totally, you know, short up, you know. Yeah, and that's, and it's, you know, Tim, the, it's so easy to, to leave our core. And again, like when we, when we, I believe, in my humble opinion, when we sin, when we do the wrong thing, we go off the path. That's not r- really us. That's not who we are. And but it's very insidious and very easy, right? This the path downwards a lot, a lot easier than the path upward. And it's and so it's almost like it slip. The temptation slips its way into the weakest point, you know, the weakest place in the, place in the chain. And I'm, I don't. I'm not criticizing anyone in particular, but I'm sure you know. You, you know, I certainly know people that have, you know, that are living a very observant religious lifestyle in many areas, but then there's like a core point of weakness that is so big and problematic that it is completely taking them off their, their spiritual game everywhere else. Or, or it's, it's, it takes a lot of energy to deal with it, you know, so right there, you know, you've got a problem if if it's... If it's an energetic train to deal with the weak link in the train uh, chain, as you said, I really like that metaphor of, of a chain and a weak link too. But but it, it could drain your your energy to try and you know deal with it as best you can too. So that's that's interesting. And then if you're 
you're really on overdrive on one of these jobs. It doesn't help you to do some time and effort into that weakness, you know, uh, as well. Yeah. Well, Joe, I really appreciate you, you, you calling in. I'm going to separately address your point about South America, which is interesting. I'm just not sure if I can tie it in philosophically. <laughs> but Right, uh, right. I'm I, interested in what your thoughts on that, because like I said, when I went down there, I mean, it was really interesting. I had a good time, but my th- there was some stuff going on that was kind of dangerous. Where were you? I was in Peru, yeah, you know, yeah. and, you know, it's not... You know, like this stuff going on there, you know, and, uh, you know, you gotta be careful. The, the, like, she had relatives, an uncle that was a senator that drove us around, so that, but it, it wasn't, you know, it, it was really interesting, really beautiful, really beautiful scenery. Went to Machu Picchu, but like I said, I just, maybe it was an impression I got from just reading the paper about it. But there was also as beautiful as the, the, the there was there was a degree of chaos. Yeah, you know, I think in the in the and sorry to cut you off, Joe, but I think in the uh, true to the to the topic of of teshuva and the concept of kind of going off your your core, I think that the material world we think of as something sometimes that is disconnected like you said oh, i read in the paper this you know the the then the, 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 her, her she had a relative who was a senator and so forth and and in my case it was oh my god and you imagine for the last five years and how could i why did i go to columbia that weekend you know like why did i go on that particular business trip what? and the reality is that i or i believe that those are those are illusions to some degree because um, it's you know it's like gums of Latova. I mean, from 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 this too, they'll be good. And and I think that you know these are the things that are you know in, may have manifested in a trip to Peru in your case or in my case being arrested in Colombia and put in uh, put in prison for ten and a half months. But I think that the those are opportunities for us to kind of go through the teshuva process to kind of suss out well, okay what the heck is what what am I supposed to learn here? Like, wh- what is supposed to come out of here? Because if you start to think of it as like, okay, that material world is separate. That's like ungodly. That, okay, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to show on, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my learning or whatever over here in my life. And in this part of my life, I got arrested in Colombia. <laughs> that, that's not reality, right? The reality, or at least that's not the reality that we're, that we're learning, that we're studying is, is to connect those two. So, Joe, thanks for, thanks for calling. Yeah, let me tell you one sidebar that, that just relates from Peru. The uncle said, you want to borrow a car. He was that friendly. And they they didn't at the time, a yellow light meant, a red light meant a, a yellow light. So you want me to drive in a place where a red light is taken as to slow down. You know what I mean? I mean, I can't adapt to that, you know. <laughs> Well, we're we're incredibly resilient, Joe, and we can adapt to many things that uh, that we at first think we can't. I'm going to take another call. But thank you very much. For yeah, all right. Thanks. In. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Bye now. Thank you. All right, I think we have someone else on the line here. We're talking uh, here on equal footing about this. The theme of this week is teshuva, uh, returning repentance, as it's often called classically. The number seven one eight three zero three nine zero nine zero, and we are all on equal footing. Okay, who do we have? Hello, can Hello. you hear me? Yes, who do I have the pleasure to speak with My name is Dan from Forest Hills. Hi, Dan. 
No, 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 no. Stan. Stan. Sorry, Stan. Nice to well, meet you. Well, uh, a couple of things. One, uh, were you not interviewed by Zev Brenner about a year ago about your uh, situation in South America? About five, six months ago I was, yes. That's correct. So you were on. Okay. Now, let me ask you this question. How did you get out? You want the... No, I don't need the long story. I need the short story. Uh, Uh, Tell me if I'm wrong. Again, correct me. Did you not have to pay somebody off to get out? No. No. Because I know you were down there and the government was trying to do some things to you. How did you get out? You want the practical or the spiritual? I want the... How you got out. Spirit, that's the way I want to know. You didn't fly out, so I know how did you get out. What was the political way that you got out? The practical way, Stan, was I had extraordinary family members and friends and lawyers that advocated for me in the States because I had no rights down there. Right. I was technically not on any charge in Columbia. In fact, Stan, the, the complication of it in the in the practical, visible world was that I didn't I wasn't actually yet charged. I hadn't yet gone through an arraignment. So right, right. it was difficult even to have a judge hear me out anywhere because my case kind of almost didn't exist in a certain way. Of course. And and I was blessed by, uh, you know, committed, passionate, and fearless uh, family and friends and lawyers who advocated. And finally, a judge in, in the Southern District in New York uh, had, you know, the compassion to... Um, give the government, the prosecutors, a, a, a little bit of a dressing down and, and you know, recognizing that I was um, at risk of losing my life there. And, and there was one step led to another, and it took a while. But eventually I was able to come back and, and defend myself here. That's the, that's the practical answer. The well, but how did you get... Uh, was it that the, the courts here got you out, or was it the courts there got you out? <laughs> You're saying the courts here got you out it, it was the courts here technically stan right uh, in in reality i think there was some there was some public shaming that went on around what was happening in colombia and so i think the colombian government probably became you embarrassed know, embarrassed yeah right uh, but i'll tell you the, the 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 prosecutors in my case did not at any point, facilitate my coming back. So I was very lucky to be able to get out. Of, well, I'm uh, glad you're out. That's the main thing. I mean. <laughs> no, no, but yeah. my, my concern was, uh, this was, I think, under the uh, Obama administration, obviously. Was it at that time? Is that correct? It was. You know, there was an attorney general, um, I believe it was the last attorney general under under uh, President Barack Obama, his name Sally Yates. So actually, yes, yes yeah. I just saw her on TV yeah. today. Go ahead. And she put out, um, and, and, you know, I'm not a lawyer, so this is all, what I've been forced to learn over a number of years, but I, you take it with a grain of salt. She put out something called the Yates Memo, which is I understood to be directed, you know, by the executive, you know, by by President Obama, that was aimed at really kind of getting scalps, like kind of associating individuals with the 2008 financial crisis as opposed, right, right. As opposed to companies. And so there were a number of people in a wave of uh, prosecutions of cases right around the time that I was. Indicted that were indicted uh, in, you know, in ways that possibly in the past would have been handled as, as civil cases and were handled as as criminal cases. I had the misfortune, and I'll probably I'll leave it at that, so I don't get into hot water. I, I don't believe it was a coincidence, but the the government, you know, um, their their narrative was that it was a coincidence that I was in. Uh, Columbia that weekend when they unsealed the indictment and as a result you know they were able to you know normally with habeas corpus here in the states you 
you know, within 36 hours or whatever it is, you, you're able to be arraigned and, you know, whatever. But as a result, I, my 36 hours became 10 and a half months. And uh, the, it, it was under a, a little bit of a different prosecutorial policy at the end of the Obama administration. Okay. Uh, I understand your show will be a, deb- a debate format, and then at the end, each one switches to the other side. Is that correct? That's right. Okay. My suggestion to you is, if you have a chance, obviously you put the show together, uh, read the best debating ever done in this country, the Lincoln-Douglas debates, where two ah, gentlemen, yes. two gentlemen debated the future of the United States intelligently, without saying words to each other, in front of crowds, and in the end, the, the winning gentleman, Abraham Lincoln, hired Douglas for his cabinet. So there it goes. In that particular, if you can do a debates like that, then you'll be very successful on this program. Uh, Stan, you're bringing back to uh, you know, high school civics. That's you're, okay. well, you're absolutely right. Thing. I agree with you. Those are, and e- everybody right. is listening. If you want to really get the concept, I'm endorsing what Stan is saying here in terms of equal footing. Yeah. If you that really is the greatest equal footing of them all. It started it all. It really, and you know, the debate concept is so fundamental to our democracy today. Right. But it didn't. It 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 wasn't the same in kind of the Athenian and the the Greek and then the Roman model, you know, that was more of like a a lot of people kind of in a room, right. <laughs> you know, giving their opinion one after another. Right. Um, and, and the concept of mano a mano debate, which is such a, a an extraordinarily important concept in our in our democracy and global democracy, you're right. It, it, it you could argue that it started there with the let Lincoln just, Douglas. Let me, excuse me, let me just tell you about a television show. I think it was before you time. I'm a little older than you. There was a show on television in the early called the G E College Bowl. Did you ever hear that? I advise you to look at it because it was college students debating other college students and then switching around debating each other on different points. I think it's, it's, on to, it's probably on YouTube or something. I think that's what it was. And it was basically about debate. Of course, these were college students from different colleges. They had it on every week. And... You don't see that, obviously, on TV. It's probably they would have God. You know what it would be like today against colleges and right. so forth. I'll check it out. Stan, Absolutely. I really appreciate you calling, and I hope by you... Good luck with your show. <laughs> Thank you. Will there be any more audience participation, or it's just going to be the, uh, the no? We're going to have call-ins. I, I welcome call-ins again. The number seven one eight three zero three nine zero nine zero, and we are on equal footing. I'm Bill Tuzman. Good luck. Thank you, Stan. Thanks for the call-in, James. We're going to get back to you right after the break. I know you're 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 holding, uh, and again seven one eight three zero three nine zero nine zero. We're talking about Teshuvah, returning, repentance. The uh, coming back to our core, getting through suffering. These have been uh, some interesting calls. I would love to hear about your teshuva, your teshuva, your your returning to your core essence. I'm Dove Tuzman. This is Equal Footing. We'll be back after the break. Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skin care. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, MDCS Dermatology provides the most advanced medical and surgical skin treatments for all New Yorkers. The dermatologists and skin care surgeons at MDCS are affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and the New York Presbyterian Hospital. MDCS Dermatology combines state-of-the-art technology with a personalized and friendly approach to skin care for adults and children. Whether you need help with hand eczema, a new skin growth, or a cosmetic concern, trust the doctors at MDCS to provide you with the best treatment options. Here's what some of their patients have to say about MDCS Dermatology. Charles from Garden City says, 
The balance of patient care and COVID-19 safety was perfect. I went straight from my car to the exam room and skipped the receptionist and waiting room. Ellie from Great Neck says, Dr. Garshik was the most thorough dermatologist I've ever seen for my annual skin cancer screening. Jennifer from Long Beach says, I had a brown mole removed from my forehead and now I have perfect skin. Thank you, Dr. Bernstein. So, schedule your next skin exam in one of our Long Island or Manhattan locations by going to the following website, www.mdcs.live. Again, that's mdcs.live. If you prefer the safety of your own living room, you can schedule a virtual video visit with our board-certified dermatologists by clicking on Virtual Visit at www.mdcs.live. Hi everyone, I'm Dove Tuzman and we are on equal footing. You and I, we are all on equal footing. Vahafta lirecha gomecha. Love your fellow as yourself. So that's what this, that's the basic mitzvah, the basic lesson of, of the Torah. And we are starting, we are Rosh Chodesh Elul, we are starting Elul, we are in going to the 40 days of Teshuva. James, you're on hold. Sorry for all the Jewish stuff. Uh, hope uh, and thanks for for holding. Nice to nice to uh, meet you. How you doing, Dov? Nice to hear from you. Uh, you mentioned Bill Clinton. Uh, now he's kind of like old. Uh, maybe uh, you know, not feeling that well these days. I know I, he was at um, uh, the the funeral of that soul singer who died about six or so months ago, uh, Aretha Franklin, uh, and he seemed to express uh, some um, remorse, I guess, for his life. I think he was saying that he, he would hope to be forgiven if uh, need be, uh, you know, when it comes to it. But, well, but, the, but the while that he was president, he was a big, strong guy, and to my my current thinking at the, this time, he embodied uh, the system of automaticities, which our, our technocracy and our governments basically is, so that if you were sort of like to uh, uh, attempt a, a debate with him when he was uh, such a, a personality at that time, you would uh, you would be uh, possibly uh, attempting to... Uh, to assert principles, whereas uh, the real difference between you and him would be a difference in strength, and your principle would basically annoy him. Uh, I recall uh, he called a radio show here in New York, maybe back when he was uh, president, and uh, it was uh, Amy Goodman, Democracy Now!, uh, and she was saying some critical things about his foreign policy, so... He called her and tried to assert, uh, you know, his case for why, for wherefore and why. Uh, uh, but she continued to uh, ask uh, these uh, sharp questions, and he became aggravated. He well, started. Uh, James, replying. let's. This is. I, I really like. Sorry to interrupt you. I really like that you you keyed in on the Bill Clinton point. That was a tough. I mean, I was at risk bringing that up because. 
I know that you know it's a he's a polarizing figure, and you know mm. everybody knows we're in very polarizing times. And I'm glad you brought up the Aretha Franklin uh, funeral. I remember watching that eulogy, and I may not be getting the language exactly right, but he said something like, "She lived like with faith, not with failure, but overcoming her failures." And I agree with you. I heard. I heard him in that eulogy, and I've heard him recently, and I'm not a Bill Clinton fan. Listen, I was indicted in the Obama administration with a lot of Clintonites and with a you know 18-month period or whatever it was when they were approaching these types of Wall Street cases, so-called Wall Street cases. I'm really an entrepreneur, you know, not an investment banker or a Wall Street guy, but the in a different way. So I have a lot of reasons to dislike Bill Clinton, dislike Hillary Clinton, to dislike President Obama, to dislike Eric Holder and Sally Yates, etc. But part of being on equal footing is kind of trying to see where they're coming from. And I've heard I heard him at that Aretha Franklin um, eulogy and in the DNC uh, talk as well. There's a there's a greater humility and there's there is acknowledgement, not like we'd probably like to see of his failures. I mean, you know, uh, and and of his foibles. But there's an increasing willingness, I think, to talk about that. And that's got to be the first step, right, for Teshuva, is saying, okay, I'm not making excuses. I'm not telling you that I didn't go off the path. I'm saying I went off the path, and now I'm returning to my core. And, you know, to bring it to the current uh, candidate, presidential candidate Joe Biden, again, a lot of reasons to... Uh, not like him because you know he did the 1994 Criminal Justice Act. I'm a very progressive person on criminal justice issues. I think that uh, you know the the differentiation there between you know crack cocaine and 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 powder cocaine was really a class issue. Jailed a you know in effect a generation of of black men. I mean, there's all sorts of reasons to for for me from from my headspace to 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 dislike him. But also, I I really found myself the last couple of days trying to find empathy and hearing about you know what he's like as a uh, as a father i'm talking about biden now what you know yeah. the learning that he's gone through i don't know if i'm going to vote for him to be honest with you but i'm trying to and i think we all should be trying to on either side to be you know being on more equal footing seeing each other um in in you know with with empathy and, and i think you're right to point out that 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 Clinton seems to be doing that a little bit more. Who knows what is in his in his heart? But I agree with you. I had called up the show uh, last night, uh, a program, and I was trying to say that I think that what people have to realize there's a serious imbalance in strength relationships. You're just a citizen. You have uh, certain principled viewpoints, and you you might wish to uh, to argue or, or discuss such issues uh, with who you who you suppose could. Uh, could change things for the better, but you yourself and we all were, were all swept up into this uh, system of automaticities, and frequently it blinds us to the other. It's, uh, we, we don't start from a viewpoint of empathy. We can't, because we're all trying to get ahead, and that's what Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton were doing when I guess they... Uh, uh, lifted that uh, Glass-Steagall Act and enabled uh, enabled all all the uh, savings banks to start becoming Wall Street investors, and then you started having uh, a bubble after bubble, then a recession, and now we're in another recession, and so forth and so on. You know, James, so. thanks, thank you very much for for calling in. I'm going to look up automaticity. That's a that that's a new one for me. Um, I I appreciate you calling in. We're going to be wrapping up here, and I would I'd love to to hear from you in 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 following weeks. I think that uh, what we're trying to do here, as you pointed out, James, is create a, play, a, a framework of empathy. If we are 
and the debates, are, I expect, and as we go forward in the show, are going to be pretty ruckus intellectually, but to show that we can have a ruckus and real intellectual debate without uh, being at each other's throats. Without well, thanks, thanks, for giving me the, uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity to say that, though. Okay, thanks, James. Well, I'm Dove Tusman. This is Equal Footing. And I appreciate you tuning in this week. We're going to be on next week, 7 to 8 p.m. We're going to have our first debate format again. We're going to have an hour-long program with three segments, where in the first two segments, two uh, guests kind of take each other on, on a social, political, religious, and a hot-button issue, uh, from public health to politics to religious issues and so forth. And in the last segment, those last 20 minutes of the show, they're going to be asked to switch sides and advocate the other position, which I am excited to be a part of. Thank you for listening. I hope your Elul evolves uh, beautifully and that you take great uh, lessons of return to your core of Teshuva from, from this period. I'm Dove Tuzman. We are on equal footing and we will be, each other, be with each other next week. Thanks. You may have thought you couldn't afford to air on television with your business. So did other businesses, until they met Winner Media. Winner Media is well known for airing companies on television with a small budget and then having them become very successful. Winner Media has almost 50 years of amazing success for its clients. They do it with great negotiating skill, having spent enormous amounts of money on television over the years. You will receive great rates. With its crack creative team, Winner Media will produce a very impactful commercial utilizing an affordable budget. The commercial is exceedingly important, for it is the spokesperson for your business. If you have a business, or whether you are a lawyer, doctor, retailer, manufacturer, have a school, service company, are in entertainment, or even with a great product, you should contact Winner Media right away. Learn about Winner Media. Go to winnercommunications.com. That's winnercommunications.com. Then call 212-206-0111. That's 212-206-0111. Ask for Marty Feinberg. Marty Feinberg is the founder and president. He will work directly with you. Television is still the most impactful form of communication in existence. The combination of audio and visual on a big screen cannot be matched by any other form of advertising. Call 212-206-0111. That's 212-206-0111. 212-206-0111. Ask for Marty Feinberg. Hidden deep down.